Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into your new speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. And today, I've got a flashback and some memories of our time in the canteen in school drinking some 7-Up over here, because I see that in your background <laughs> for those on YouTube. What is 7-Up, Rahul? It is the number of goals we put up, put against North City. Seven goals. <laughs> is that all it is? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is It is a soda that we used to drink, similar to Sprite, um, for anybody that doesn't know. Uh, and so when Jackie and I were growing up in Ghana, it was the alternative to Sprite and something we preferred most of the time. So a tribute here, my background, again, if you're watching us on Zoom, uh, not Zoom, I, YouTube, you can see it's 7-Up and it's a tribute to the soda, but also to the seven goals we scored. You're a little bit too excited. I'm <laughs> going to reel you back in for just a second here. Let's really quickly, just a one-liner, cover the Malmo game in the middle of the week because it looks like we're having a pretty decent week, aren't we? We are. We sat here about a week ago and complained about <laughs> not dominating games. <laughs> and I guess Tuchel and, and the squad heard it. And here we are a week later and we've scored 11 goals, dominated two full games and sitting in, in pretty good position. Indeed we are, but there was a little bit of bad news coming off those games, right? Yes, there was the injury to Lukaku, injury to Timo Werner, uh, which left us basically with no strikers in the squad. Uh, obviously Havertz can fill that role and he did, but... Uh, yeah, concerning times with their injuries, it's a hearing about two to three weeks, which basically puts us uh, into the next international break. Yeah, so that game ends up 4-0, even though we lost both our strikers, which on paper is good news and we're banging in the goals. But it's a great segue into the game that we want to review today, which is Norwich. And what's interesting about that is no strikers. So what's the starting eleven that Tuchel plays? Well, I mean, it pretty much picked itself with Mendy in goal. Uh, he was coming off some heroics uh, in the Premier League the week before against Brentford. Chaloba, Thiago Silva and Rudiger, uh, Reese James, Jorginho Kovacic and Ben Chilwell. Uh, Mason Mount, Hudson Odoi getting another start uh, in that attacking three and Havertz playing as the central striker. Like you said, pretty much picks itself. I mean, there are a few names you can interchange here and there. Uh, notable mention Chaloba getting more than just an occasional game at this point, which is more than just credit to Tuchel. I think it's to himself. The young man's doing very, very well. And then Hudson Adoy, a little bit of a surprise there. But of course, with Timo Werner out and Hakim Ziyech not in the finest form, you've got to take your chances as they come. Do you want to run us through some of the high level moments of the game? Because you've already touched on seven up. Maybe <laughs> you need to take a big breath before you go through these seven goals you got to talk about. Yeah, so usually when we do the the highlights, we're usually talking about a lot of you know moments, buildups, and key uh, passes and things. But in 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 this review, it's going to be just goals because there are so many. So it started in the eighth minute. Uh, didn't take long. Mason Mount getting his first goal of the season, uh, and it was a very well taken goal. Jorginho gives it to him, and Mason Mount lets it run a little bit across from him, and then puts it directly uh, into the back of the net. Yeah, and that was lovely because it was one time, one touch and bang into the corner. I think that's that's what I want more from of Mason Mount. Like, look, we're, we're picky and pushy here. He's one of the best players in the squad. But to get more goals from, from midfield, quote-unquote, is what we're looking for. Almost like that super Frank. And I know I make jokes about Frank Kovacic. Maybe we have Frank Mason or Frank Mount back in the squad. No, I just kid. But no, it was a good finish and things that we want to see from him in midfield. Yeah, and it was getting the first goal was was crucial because you knew – uh, that would settle the nerves, kind of get things rolling. And with no striker, the longer this game went without a goal for Chelsea, Norwich would have grown into it. So eighth minute, like I said, perfect way to start. And then Frank Kovacic himself puts a brilliant ball in for Hudson yes. Adoy uh, behind the Norwich defense. And Hudson Adoy runs in and uh, curls it around Tim Krul to make it 2-0 in the 18th minute. Yeah, lovely finish, by the way. He opens up his body and slots it into the far right-hand corner. Quick question on this. I know we wanted to run through the goals, but these kind of bring up some things into mind here. We've complained a little bit about our midfield not servicing the likes of Lukaku and Warner, and they struggle to get goals. Frank Kovacic up here finding a beautiful ball through, making that through ball that we've been asking for and screaming for. Something different about maybe Callum playing versus Lukaku or Werner? 
I don't know if it's different. I, it may be down to North City mm. um, being a little naive with, you know, they're defending. They're already one down. They could have just sat a little bit deeper, but I think the way Daniel Farker wants them to play and uh, is just being on the front foot, which opens up space. And you know, as midfielders, as Kovacic and Jorginho, you have the pace with Hudson Adoy, Mason Mount to an extent. So uh, putting those balls in is always an option. I think, like you said, against with Lukaku and Timo Werner, we've struggled a little bit to do that, but we've also uh, faced oppositions and, and defenses that don't allow that to happen all the time. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's a good way to to summarize that. But 18 minutes in and we're 2-0 up, huh? Yes, we are. And it's a great start to the Saturday morning and it only gets better with a Beast James goal. And he took that goal like he was he was a striker himself. He gets a ball from, I believe, Mason Mount. Uh, Reese James, Beast James runs onto it and just dinks it over Tim Crew in the 42nd minute and makes it 3-0 right before halftime. Do you know what? Whenever Reese James scores, he has to score something spectacular. <laughs> I don't think that boy knows how to score a regular tap-in or just a header or something like that. We're going to talk about the Liverpool game a little bit later, but Mohamed Salah did something similar with dinking right. it over the goalkeeper. So I expect that from Mohamed Salah. I don't necessarily expect that from Reese James. So when something like that happens, it just shows that he's got a little more on the attacking front than he leads on. And maybe if we unleash him a little bit more, we may see a few more goals coming from Reese. Uh, yeah, I agree. And this was a second goal, I believe, after that goal against Arsenal uh, earlier on in the season. So 3-0, and at this point, game's pretty much done. Uh, second half starts, and even the commentators were wondering if Thomas Tuchel was saying to his squad, go for it, or you know, just hold back. Daniel Farker is my friend. Uh, <laughs> but Chelsea and, and Tuchel, being the professionals that they are, they kept going for it and taking their chances. And this man once again gets onto the score sheet and it's three in three Premier League games, actually four if you think about it, because he scored uh, against Aston Villa at the end of last season. And then since he's come back into the team, Ben Chilwell has scored four consecutive Premier League games. And we said it a few weeks ago, we're running out of options up front. Just just play Ben Chilwell and Alonso. Yeah, I'm not even kidding about that. I really believe that they can play up front as striker or even higher up the pitch. But you said it, keep him free. Let's keep him free because he keeps continuing to bring us goals. Uh, three and three or four and four in Premier League. And of course, he had scored for the international break as well. Right. So if anybody's in red hot form, it's definitely our left wing back of all players. <laughs> and so I definitely will let him continue playing in that position. I, I agree. And he's... The one thing Alonso was doing better than him, apart from, you know, just doing the basics, right, was scoring. Right. And Joel's taken that upon himself and said, you know what, I'm just going to keep scoring every game because then I'm not going to get dropped and fair play to him. Uh, so that made it 4-0 in the 57th minute. In the 62nd minute, uh, hudson Adoy gets a shot off, gets deflected, gets bounced off of Max Ahrens and goes in. And that makes it 5-0 in the 62nd minute. And at this point, you're like, how many are Chelsea going to score? Because Norwich looked completely out of ideas. They barely had an attack on the other side. Uh, and it's just all Chelsea. And I think Mendy was, for the most part, just sitting there laying in, on the, the touchline because there wasn't anything much happening on his side. Yeah, and I started to feel for Norwich a little bit at this point. It's like anything that could go wrong would go wrong, and, and it did. And I think a few minutes later, they actually got a red card as well, right? They did. It was in the 65th minute. Uh, but like I said, right before I think that happened, they did have one attack, which came from a mistake uh, from our end. But Mendy came alive and, and basically just threw in a tackle yep. to, to prevent the ball from going in. And that was the notable moment for Norwich City, because after that, they got a red card, like you said, to Ben Gibson in the 65th minute. And it was just not going for them. And then in the 85th minute, Mason Mount gets a penalty, um, has to retake it because he misses the first one and Cruel stepped off his line. He steps back up, Mason Mount does, and, and buries it. And in the build-up to that, Tim Cruel had come up to him and said a few words. And as soon as Mason Mount scores, he runs towards him and kind of smilingly says something back to him. Uh, but that makes it 6-0. And now Mason Mount's on a hat-trick. And you're wondering, we've only got about five, six minutes left here. Is he going to get it? And, and of course he does. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek runs onto a ball from Ziyech. 
pretty much running onto goal. I think he takes an extra touch, which puts it out of his reach for goal. Uh, and so he has to lay it to Mason Mount. But Mason Mount was there. He wanted that. Uh, <laughs> and he scores in the 91st minute to make it 7-0 and a hat-trick for himself. I believe it's his first Chelsea senior hat-trick right. at this club. So that's very, very exciting. And, you know, we've talked about early on in the segment that he needs goals from midfield. What a way to catch up on the goals, huh? Yeah, he went, I think his last, he even said it, his last goal was against Real Madrid in the semifinal at home and and the next time he scores is a hat-trick against North City in the Premier League. Yeah, definitely something to be proud of. Look, no disrespect to Norwich, but I'm going to go through the stats really quickly because what we've recovered or reviewed, sorry, is the goal so far. Chelsea had 23 shots versus Norwich's three. On target, 13 of those versus one from Norwich. We kept 62% of the ball versus 38 and pass-wise 626 passes strung together versus 380. So we definitely dominated this game, Rahul, and something that we've been screaming and, and asking for. Is this something that we were just excellent on the day or was Norwich just poor? It's It's got to be a little bit of both, right? I, obviously, you give Chelsea the credit that they did a professional job. They came out to play and, and they punished North City with, you know, right. the mistakes that they made and the setup that they had. But on the same side, you look at the week before and Brentford, a, a similar newly promoted side, made it extremely difficult for us. And I think that's where you look at North City and their manager and say, what is going on there? Because right. how can one newly promoted team come up, have a system, have a way of playing for the first time ever in the Premier League and Norwich City, who came up a couple of years ago, went back down, came back up again this season and are basically haven't learned anything because they're having the same issues they had two years ago. Yeah, I think that's a fair point because I don't want to get too overly excited and say Chelsea were brilliant and Chelsea were amazing because I thought Norwich were pretty poor on the day, I must say. They didn't they didn't readjust their game plan when they were two nailed down. They didn't do the right things by defending and blocking well. But I don't want to take too much away from Tuchel and his game plan. I thought they were excellent as well. Every chance that came their way, they would actually push through and and almost go for the jugular. Now, that's a little bit, like we said earlier, a little bit disappointing for Norwich because I felt bad for them. But at the same time, I think it's of value to get these goals and get the goal difference, especially in a season that could be tough towards the end of the year. Seven goals could really come in handy when you're going towards the final stretch of the Premier League. Oh, absolutely. And we're typically a team, and I think, uh, especially on the Tuchel, that we've not scored maybe more than three or four. I know we think back to the Crystal Palace game uh, where we, I think we had five, I believe. Right. Uh, But apart from that, it's been two, three, one. And so to see 7-0, which is the biggest win under under him and and the biggest win for a while for Chelsea, uh, this was, you know, us saying we have an opportunity here, boost our goal difference, boost our confidence, get more players onto the score sheet. I believe it was, we've had 14 or 15 different goal scorers in the Premier League alone. Uh, And so that's, that's what you want to see from a a team that's going for the title. You know, it's not, um, okay, we've scored three, let's just chill out or whatever we went for it and and punished north city like we expect to as a as a top of the table team yeah indeed and you know i asked this question a little bit earlier but maybe we can dissect it a little bit more do we play better with no strikers that's it's a funny question because we've gone two games without strikers and and yes i realize it was against malmore north city but two games where we've played with no out and out strikers due to injury um, and scored 11 goals. Yeah. Uh, so to add, the simple answer to your question is yes, but you've got to think about it. Strikers do add uh, to our, to our game and to our, the way we finish off things. You think back to that Arsenal game, Lukaku was key in that, in that win, right. uh, getting the goals and, um, Kukaku was key against Aston Villa. So there are games where we need our strikers and, and they help us unlock things. Uh, and we will need them moving forward. This You can't get carried away with the last two games because you've got to think about the opposition. But again, you got to beat who's put in front of you. And we did that regardless of who was injured and who wasn't. And that's where we take confidence and we say, yes, we have goals all over the pitch. 
Yeah, I think the only reason I asked the question is just because of how you finished over there is we have goals all over the pitch. Most teams try and get 25, 30 goals from their main striker through the season. For the last few years, especially with Chelsea, we haven't been that kind of team where we get, you know, 25, 30 goals from from our main strikers. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean they don't contribute. And in Lukaku's case, he started as a, as a man on fire. How do we get this kind of... of performance or this kind of ball playing towards the front line. I know Tuchel's talked about they do a different job where they attract defenders or they, they're the focal point. And so not necessarily are you going to see what they do. And, and I do agree with that. But at the end of the day, you don't pay $100 million for Lukaku. You don't pay 54 or $55 million for Werner for them to get 7, 10 goals a season. You want to see a 20-plus goals a year. You're right. And I, I think back to or I think about Liverpool, and I'm not comparing our sides and our systems, but they have Bobby Firmino in that squad, who's mm. their recognized striker. But if you look at his output during a season, I don't think he's hit more than maybe 12 to 15 Premier League goals. Whereas you have Mane and Salah, who easily make it to 20, 25. So um, I think it really depends on the system. And, and in that system, the striker, which is Firmino, doesn't really get the goals, but he's heavily involved in the play. Right. And I think for us, that's kind of becoming the way of things for us is where our strikers aren't involved in the goals, but they're heavily involved in the buildup to the goals. And I think back to the Brentford goal we scored, Lukaku was the one that was the target ball, then falls to Chilwell and he scores. Right. So I think we, we need our strikers. Don't get me wrong, but we're doing pretty well without them right now. And and I think that comes back, comes down to uh, maybe a tweak that Tuchel's made in the last few weeks with using our wingbacks more inverted towards closer towards the strikers or towards the midfield, uh, which that causes a little bit more chaos for the defending team, because now you have two more guys that you thought would be sitting out wide who've come in and are sitting in between your defense and in midfield, which adds a whole different layer of complexity to defend and, uh, that could be one of the reasons that Ben Chilwell is flourishing in that role. Yeah, and to add Reese James scoring in the game right. as well. So I, I didn't notice that specifically in this game where Callum hudson Odoi, I think, naturally wants to hug the touchline. I think he's more of a traditional winger. And so him playing on the left, Ben Chilwell really benefited from that because he's coming in and, and almost forcing Callum to go out wide. Anyway, on the right-hand side, you can almost see Mason Mount had to think two or three times to, to verify that he needed to go a little more wide because Reese is, is coming a little more direct through the center. So... Yeah, maybe that helps. Maybe we're used to defenders looking for a Mason and a Callum and a, and a Werner and a Kai more centrally located. And so now your whole game plan is looking for them centrally. And now you're going, OK, they're touching on the on the sidelines here. Spread it out and open up that back four or back three in this case, whatever you want to call it. And then, of course, your, your left wing back and your right wing back are getting on the score sheet. So that's definitely a good point to bring up there. Yeah, and, and it's credit to Tuchel for realizing, especially, you know, before the last international break, we were struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of introduced this tweak to the formation with the wingbacks and with capable wingbacks like Chilwell, like Reese James, Aspilicueta, Alonso. It, it makes it easier because they know what they have to do. Uh, but when we're defending, they know we've got to fall back and get into positions. It's similar to what we've seen with Pep Guardiola doing with right. his guys. So. Uh, it's, it's exciting to see these subtle tweaks that, you know, you sometimes may miss during games. Yeah, definitely. So a couple of names to talk about here, Rahul. Chaloba, James. You've got Mason Mount. We had hudson Adoy, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Of course, all the names I mentioned, Mount scoring, uh, James scoring. You've got Ruben Loftus-Cheek assisting. So you, 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 you kind of see the trend I'm going with over here. <laughs> All of these boys supposedly bleed blue. And I, I think supposedly is not a fair word. I know they bleed blue. Yes, they do. They've come through the academy. What does this mean that, you know, the academy players are getting on the score sheet, assisting? And, you know, we, we talked a lot about it and, and rival fans and pundits and everybody's talked about, well, Lampard had favoritism because of the, the, the ban and he had to pick these players and whatnot. Lampard's long gone now. Tuchel's won a Champions League with some senior players. And yet, game after game... He finds a way to to pull or pick these academy players. And I'll talk about Ruben for a second. He was not even in Tuchel's plans or squad last season. And he's finding a way to squeeze himself back in. So what are your thoughts on that? We're 
we're enjoying the fruits of, of the academy. You know, we've said for years we've got the best academy in England, at least. And we're seeing that now that players that were given a chance, like you said, under Lampard. And, and you've got to thank Lampard, Jody Morris, Neil Bath for developing these players, giving them an opportunity, because a lot of managers that came before Frank Lampard didn't do that. Yes, sorry, was playing Hudson Adoy. Uh, but Lampard came in and said, I trust these guys. We will make mistakes. We will have issues. And we did in that first season where one, one week we would beat Tottenham and the other week we would go and lose to Southampton at home. But that was the process that we had to go through to learn, uh, you know, as a club and as young, young players that were coming through that the Premier League is the real deal and you've got to adjust to it. And, and we're seeing that now two years later, Tuchel's getting the fruits off that hard work that was put in and, Mason Mount is one of the first names on that team. He said it too, Tuchel, that I, there's no way I can drop him. Uh, Hudson Adoy is working his way back in. Reese James is always in and around those defensive positions. And like you said, Ruben Loftus-Cheek had a horrible injury, went away on loan, was okay, did pretty okay with Fulham, comes back, impresses in preseason, and now is a name that we've been asking for and he's been playing. So it's a credit to our academy. It's a credit to players and managers that came before Tuchel to get these guys ready. And now we're, we're sitting here and saying we've got the best academy in the world, let alone England. Um, and on the other side, I, I got to give credit to Tino Livramento and, and Armando Borja, who came up after our game for Southampton and scored two goals. So mm-hmm. Our academy is not only benefiting us, but benefiting a lot of other clubs. Yeah, and you know, Rahul, you you thank the likes of Neil Bath and Jody, and of course Frank Lampard. You know, all credit due to them. But you then have to look at Tuchel for picking, continuing to pick them, or even pulling someone like Chaloba out, who was not necessarily in Frank's team at that point in time. Right. But but best of all, I, I want to say that these these guys continue to perform week in, week out. I think that's the most important thing people forget about the academy. Chelsea was heavily criticized for years for instant success. But I, I go back and I remember Mourinho tried to pull a few youngsters in there. We know that Conte had pulled a few youngsters in there. You know, we know Sari had favored Ruben Loftus cheek. But it comes down at the end of the day to do they perform week in, week out? And when they're called upon, do they take their chances? And someone like Chaloba. I didn't expect him to play this much football this early on in the season, but he's, he's taking his chances. Yes. There've been some injuries, but on other sides of the things, whenever he comes on, he looks ready to play and he's not shy to, to go forward and play the football that he knows how to play. So credit to these guys as well to, to have the confidence and to have the belief to continue to play the way they do. Absolutely. And to make it at a, at a club like Chelsea, you know, that, it's not just talent that's going to get you there. It's the hard work in training and during games, and they're, they're doing it. I'm glad you said that. It's the hard work that will get you there. <laughs> we've, talked about, we've talked about young guys that have performed really, really well and been called upon. We're bearing the fruit of the labor. I asked you if Norwich was poor. You said, look, Chelsea have done well. I asked you if you played well without strikers. You said, so far, so good. Most of the goals scored came from Academy products. Talent. We're talking about talent. Kai Havertz. 71 million pounds scored us the champions league winner helped us lift the trophy you would think in a game with seven goals with norch basically rolling over and, and playing dead where does this man stand what's your honest honest opinion on his performance so far and where do we go with him look he's he's got to do better we said it i think a couple of games ago maybe three or four games at this point where he comes on and doesn't have the intensity, doesn't have the, the urgency in his play, like you would expect him to have. And, and then maybe just down to his characteristic. Um, and Tuchel said it too. He said, I've seen him in training and want him to do more. I want him to impress more. And uh, I will give him his chances, but he's got to make the most of those. And now he gets his chance because of injury um, and you'd expect him to want to get onto that score sheet, especially against North City. Uh, but he doesn't. He gets subbed out. Obviously, he's getting saved for future games because he's our only option up top. But 
as you know, as the main guy who's leading the line, you would want him to do it, but he didn't. And I think it comes down to just his overall mindset and characteristic, which is kind of timid. We've, we've said right. this before, a little bit shy, not, not out there wanting to be the main guy. Um, and I don't think that will ever change. But given an opportunity, like we've seen towards the end of last season, he can come up big in big moments. And he has a lot of credit in the bank because of that one moment in the Champions League final. Yeah, look, you score that kind of goal. It takes me back to someone like Fernando Torres, where he didn't always have the fun time at Chelsea. But that one goal has made him a legend in the club's history. And absolutely, Kai Havertz will go down as a legend. But I look at him, 21 years of age. We talked about, you know, new country, new challenge in terms of the Premier League versus the Bundesliga new language, new food, new culture, new manager, new teammates. And we've kind of kind of turned every single page as far as excuses go at this point. And you're looking for a man that's on, on raw talent alone, pretty high up there. I mean, we've seen some things he can do, little flashes of brilliance here and there. But you almost wonder if he has that desire within himself to do a little bit better. And, and the reason this conversation is coming up is, when you're talking about seven nail and our left wing back is scoring and our right wing back is scoring, you would assume that the center forward, yes, look, he's not a center forward by nature, but you assume the gentleman playing center forward position would say, I could probably bag a goal or two in this particular game because they're not really defending. Right. And then they go down to 10 men. I, I don't remember if he was on or off at that point in time. He was, but, yeah. Yeah. And so you wonder, you know, whenever I see him play, and I hate to be disrespectful, he seems lethargic. He seems disinterested sometimes. Physically, he doesn't seem up for it. And yes, the Premier League is like that. But you wonder, where do you go with Kai Havertz? Does he need to go train in the gym a little bit harder? Do they need to do something different tactically? And and I don't know what the answer is. And I think I've seen several games where Tuchel loses his mind at how Havertz is either running or moving or or not playing the basic pass correctly. And I wonder if, if they can correct all those things. You really could see Havertz jump several layers up into the future. But for now, I'm just at this point, Rahul, when Lukaku and Werner back, I'm just not convinced Havertz has a place in the squad. Yeah. And, and I think Tuchel said it too. He said, I, I want his attitude to change because when he came on against Malmo and you and I were texting him and because you were updating me on the game, you said Havertz lost the ball. Havertz lost the ball. And eventually I think you said Tuchel's on his case too now because he's noticed it and he said, I brought you on as a sub and what are you doing? And, and he's mentioned, he's said, Tuchel said something about his attitude and how he wants him to change because he noticed he was on a high after the Champions League and that's kind of gone away. And he wants him to, to look within himself and say, I am that guy and I can be the guy that leads this club to, to greater things. But that's not going to happen if you keep giving the ball away every 20 seconds. So uh, he's definitely got the talent, like you said, and I think it's eventually going to come down to what he does with that talent. And yes, he's 21 and he's still got another 15 years ahead of him. Uh, But if he wants to be the very best in conversation for Ballon d'Or, like we spoke about with some of our other guys, that attitude has to change from mm, kind of, you know, just very like, lethargic like you said to being like no if i don't score in this game the next game i'm scoring twice right yeah look that's very fair for analysis i think the best way i can describe kai at this point in time is very nonchalant he's just here to kind of kick the ball about but he's just not it doesn't seem like he's giving his all but enough about kai i don't want to criticize him way too much i know he's got a lot of time on his hands we'll jump into some consistency we've looked at Lack of goals in the previous games before, of course, we got four and seven recently. Do you think we can pick up some consistency specifically in terms of goal scoring? Now, I know we're, we're lacking two strikers, but the couple of games coming up don't seem to be the most difficult on paper. Can we put a few more in the net? We absolutely can, and we, sh- we should. We should kick on from this and, and take this as an opportunity against the upcoming games against Newcastle and Burnley. No disrespect to them to say, we should be scoring two or three goals a game because if you look at what Liverpool are doing and they right. just set a point behind us, they, I think, are averaging three goals a game away from yeah. home, which is just, just crazy. So if we want to be in there in the next few weeks, in the next few months, goals and in, in defending well is what is going to get us there. And we know the defense, knock on wood, is, is pretty solid. So what can we do on the other side? 
Yeah, well said. I think I completely agree with you there. Especially in the next couple of games, we should see a few more goals going in just to get the confidence going and maybe the fluidity of the team as well flowing. Before we end on Norwich, Rahul, I want to talk about a man that didn't get to play, and that's Billy Gilmore. He's on loan from Chelsea at Norwich. Seems to be another talent that we've been producing from the academy. He started his career off well with Norwich, but he seems to have fallen out of favor. Tuchel talked about him a little bit in the press conference. Do you think he's going to do well? Do you think Norwich is the right club for him? What are your thoughts on on Billy Gilmore before we move on? You know, it's tough because they're in a tough situation right now. They're not picking up results. They're not getting wins. And and Billy Gilmore, to an extent, is a luxury player because mm. you have him when you have the ability to, to dominate games. Not saying he can't play in a team that doesn't, but when the rest of the team isn't as solid, he's got to step it up and, and do more. And I don't think he's been given that opportunity because after four games, he's played four games, four starts. He's been dropped and I think that's what you were mentioning was Tuchel was asked about it too. And, and I think Daniel Farker needs to look at himself because he needs to say, well, how can I make this team defensively solid? And then you have a plan around the likes of Billy Gilmore, Todd Cantwell, who he's not supposed who's he's supposedly fallen out with. Uh, and I think North city may have a decision on their hands in terms of, do we want to stay in the premier league or do we want to become another yo-yo kind of a situation here? And that might benefit Billy Gilmore again because a manager with a, with a stricter plan could could help Billy Gilmore uh, unlock his potential. Yeah, and regardless of what Norwich do, I hope whether it's a new manager or if it's Daniel Farca, they kind of see value in him because I, I did see a lot of talent in that young man. Granted, I'm not going to be the coach making the decisions long-term, but hopefully he gets a few more games and we can see something fun coming out of Billy Gilmore, similar to, to, to what we're seeing with Conor Gallagher at, at Crystal Palace. I want to talk about a couple more Premier League games, but before, is there any uh, question on the mat of the match for Norwich? There is no question at all. The mount of the match is Mason. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. I'm going to go with Kai Havertz as my man. I'm just kidding. With you know, it's, <laughs> it's Mason Mount for me as well. It was an easy decision on that one. Three nails to the young man, and I hope he continues to score. All right, let's talk about some other Premier League games in Arsenal versus Aston Villa. And Arsenal come away with a 3-1 win. We made some fun of Arsenal earlier on in the episodes towards the beginning of the season, but they seem to get three or four on the win right now. At least undefeated. They haven't lost since that Man City game at the end of August, I believe. So they've gone two months without losing a game and now said, I think, level on points with Manchester United. So... uh, make whatever joke you want about that. But Arteta seems to be getting it right. I know they struggle a little bit against Crystal Palace, but they come up against a good Aston Villa side and score three goals and looked looked good. You know, they weren't open too defensively. Ramsdale, we've we've joked about him in the past, right. uh, but he's come in and done a pretty good job. So it was a good win for them. Yeah, and interesting enough about Ramsdale, Rahul, we all thought he was coming in as a backup goalkeeper, but he seemed to have taken the number one. I think Arteta wanted something or needed something from their goalkeeper, and uh, he, he seems to have completed that picture for them. Yeah, and it's it's good for him. He's a young man who's had two consecutive relegations. Uh, so for him to come in and, and be Arsenal's number one, definitely a good thing for him. Yeah, on the flip side, Aston Villa from last season seemed to be missing the picture a little bit so far. Yeah, I think they not I think and they beat Manchester United a few weeks ago and haven't kicked on from there. So uh maybe an opportunity for them to look internally and see, you know, how they can turn things around. Yeah, absolutely. Another game that we need to talk about here, and this is this was both a fun one but a tough one to watch, and that's Manchester United at home to the mighty Liverpool. The game ends five nothing with Liverpool scoring all five goals without much reply from the mighty Manchester United. And it was just, it was a brilliant game to watch overall because I think Liverpool, as far as attacking goes, were incredible. But Manchester United was quite painful to watch them on the defensive side. It was. I mean, can't say you didn't expect a Liverpool win, but the magnitude and and the way they did it was, was at least a surprise to me because... They came up 
one nil, two nil. You're saying, okay, Manchester United are gonna, you know, they're gonna hold off now. And and then second half, you never know. And it becomes three nil, it becomes four nil before halftime, and you're like, what just happened here? How did Manchester United at home with the players they've got just get opened up that often? And and it looked so easy for Liverpool to just say, all right, we're gonna score now, and then they did. <laughs> I honestly think that's the key. I think it was too easy for Liverpool at some points in the game. Look, I don't think they got out of maybe second or third gear. They just stroked the ball around like it was a a training session. They were crossing. They were cutting in, cutting out. And Manchester. I wouldn't say Manchester United seemed disinterested. I don't think that's a fair point. I think Manchester United did not know what to do. They had no clue about restructuring or... Similar to what we talked about with Norwich, maybe playing more defensive. Look, you've already conceded two in a few minutes. Look, slow the game down, get a hold of the ball because Liverpool are just destroying you and they just could not figure out how to swap the game or or hold on to the ball for a few minutes. And you talk about 4-0 in the first half and, and everybody was, I mean, half the stadium, not half the stadium, that's unfair, but a lot of fans were just walking out on the game towards halftime in 60, 60 odd minutes. And you, you got to wonder... What is going on? Because they, they've not been brilliant the last few games. And look, you and I sit here and criticize Manchester United. And of course, <laughs> Ole sits forward on his chair and they start going on a 10-game unbeaten record. But that was, I think that was brutal. And look, they've had bad days. They've lost 6-1 to Tottenham. They've lost to Manchester City before. And you kind of see a way back. But with this particular game, it's like, where do you go from here? Yeah, you. from what I'm reading, you go sack Ole and then turn things around but you're right it's it's not the Manchester United we've we've seen at least growing up and and yes they're miles away from that Sir Alex Ferguson team but even under Ole they've in these big games performed they've come up and said we have a plan we're going to set defensively against these bigger teams and we're going to hit them on the counter and in this game they just seem to have no plan at all. They came out, they got one chance, which Bruno Fernandes, if he puts that away, maybe it's a different story. But they don't. And from that point on, it's just all Liverpool. And and he sat on the sidelines thinking about what to do. The players are on the pitch, not sure what to do. And before you know it, the game's gone. The crowd's gone. And very soon, the job may be gone for Ole. Look, that was just a tough one to watch from a Manchester United perspective. Beautiful football from a Liverpool perspective. I mean, it got to a point, Rahul, where I think Liverpool could have gone and got another two or three if they really wanted to. Uh, One commentator said it best. I don't remember who, but he said it's almost like an unwritten understanding where Manchester United says, look, you guys can stroke the ball as much as you want, as long as you don't (laughs) score, and we will not tackle you. We will not put pressure on you, any of those sort of things. Now, look, it got a little bit worse. Paul Pogba did put a terrible tackle in. He got sent off. I'm going to talk about two other players and two contrasting fortunes. And Cristiano Ronaldo got super duper frustrated and honestly kicked out at, I forget if it was Alexander Arts, Curtis Jones. And it's one of those things where what are you doing as a professional that senior in your career? You've been through that, done that, but you could tell his frustration kicks out at Curtis Jones, gets lucky with just yellow card. I think that's a Chelsea player. Hazard at Swansea a few years ago, I remember. That's a red card all day long. And enough about Ronaldo. I think people talk about him enough. But Mohamed Salah, that man is on a different level. He's coming from a different planet. I mean, when you talk about players that come from a different planet, you talk about the likes of Messi and Ronaldo. And here we go with Salah. Maybe he's a future Ballon d'Or for the next couple of seasons to come. Oh, absolutely. If he continues this way... He's definitely going to win win that Ballon d'Or next season. And and credit to him, he's very confident in front of goal, but he's also very confident in everything he does. Right. And I think they interviewed him and he said, yeah, that first goal, I could have gone myself, but I, I, I helped my teammate and gave it to Navi Keita. And, and that's a confidence he has. He says, all right, the first one won't be mine, but then the next three will be. <laughs> and he becomes the first opposition player to score a hat-trick at Old Trafford, which in itself is is a mighty record because it hasn't been done for so long. And he did it within, I think, the space of a half an hour. It didn't even need a full game to do it. Um, and like you said, he could have gotten more. Liverpool could have gotten more. And it's it's scary because we're in and around the top spot with Liverpool. 
And if they continue like this, it's it's going to be very hard, hard and take a lot of effort from us as Chelsea to keep up the pace because at some point you we're going to also have a wobble, wobble and, you know, not sure. get the results. But Liverpool are just a machine at this point. Yeah, apparently the last man to score a hat-trick at Old Trafford was approximately 17 years ago, and that was the original Ronaldo <laughs> in a Champions League Champions tie. League, so, yep. You know, he's 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 among some some pretty good company up there. We talked about Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, and now the original Ronaldo. So credit to Mo Salah. We'll see how things go. And I think one thing we can say is that hopefully when it comes to January, he's going on a long run with Egypt to <laughs> the African Cup of Nations so that we can continue on our way. But look, uh, good play, good game. It'll be interesting to see over the next few weeks what Manchester United do from here. All right, let's talk a little bit about this game, which is Brentford versus Leicester. And I brought this one in here because Brentford, the mighty Brentford, we might add, have finally taken a, a loss you know, on the road. Like, yes, Chelsea beat them, but Brentford uh, welcomed Leicester and Leicester beats them 2-1. Yeah, and a big result for Leicester, who've had kind of a shaky start to the season, but they go back-to-back beating Manchester United and Brentford. And it just tells you when you talk about games against Brentford, newly promoted side, but the way we've been talking about them this season, you think they're an established side in the Premier League, and that's credit to them and their manager, and it takes a lot of effort to beat them, and Leicester found that out, and it took a wonder goal from Yuri Tielemans to get that started. Yeah, who, by the way, is linked with Chelsea. So if you <laughs> see some activity in the summertime, you heard it here first. Like, I don't think that will happen. But no, credit to Leicester. I think that's a good result for them away from home. Absolutely. The last one to talk about, Rahul, and we'll do the uh, Premier League table before we move on to our Carabao Cup preview, is Everton versus Watford. And the only reason we bring this one in here is Everton seem to have had a decent run of form and they end up losing 2-5. That's right, two goals to 5 with Watford scoring five goals against Everton. That was crazy because I was watching that game and I saw it become 2-1 to Everton. I said, all right, now Everton are going to hold on and, and go on and win it. And then I see my phone and I'm just like, Watford scored, Watford scored, Watford scored. And I was like, what is going on? And Everton just fell apart. They, yeah. they conceded, I think, pretty soon after they scored uh, the second goal. And then it was 2-2. And then Watford just said, we'd want this dinner from Claudio Ranieri, even though we haven't kept a clean sheet and we're going to go <laughs> score another three and make it five, two. And for an, Rafa Benitez side to lose that way is shocking because you, he's always built his teams on defensive stability. Uh, and I'm sure he himself couldn't explain it because they just didn't know what they were doing. And it, it seemed like it was Watford who were the top of the table team. Yeah, and apparently this weekend was a weekend of hat-tricks because Josh King, who many people might be familiar with, goes out and gets a hat-trick for Watford. So you've got you know, good company with Josh King, you've got Mohamed Salah, and then, of course, Mason Mount scoring hat-tricks. So a weekend of hat-tricks, and it's going to be interesting what happens over the next few weeks with some of these teams. I know we're looking forward to international break here in just about a month's time, but let me run really quickly through the table, then we'll go on to Carabao Cup. So at the top, we've got Chelsea still holding on to top spot with 22 points. Liverpool in second, still the only team undefeated so far this season with 21 points. Manchester City in third with 20. And West Ham United holding on to that top four spot with 17 points. So David Moyes doing some good work there. At the bottom, 20th spot, Norwich after that 7-0 loss to Chelsea, sitting with two points. Newcastle United, the money hasn't helped so far and ownership has not changed so far. They did sack their manager, I believe. So they're sitting with uh, four points as well. And then an 18th tied with four points as well as Burnley. So it's going to be interesting over the next few weeks how that table may turn. Absolutely. And we face 18th and 19th place in the next couple of weeks. So um, hopefully we're not in our Christmas giving mood like we've been in the past seasons. Um, All right, should we move on to a Carabao Cup preview now? Yeah, I just wanted to, we, we've set up our fantasy Premier League uh, for the Premier Chelsea, and I wanted to just touch on that uh, real quick. So after nine games, nine game weeks, uh, we have Ayush Paul sitting in first place with 686 points. Uh, and then very close to him in second is Jeff Berg with 666, and then Making up the top three is Strong Williamson with 659 points. So 
they're doing pretty well for themselves. And I am personally sitting in 214th. So I've made some progress over this past game week, but not, not good enough. I'm so far down the table. I need a magnifying glass to see my <laughs> position. It's been tough. And congratulations to those guys. They really have understood the fantasy Premier League. It's it's quite an interesting way to play, and I'm struggling to figure it out so far. But no, definitely fun so far. So we'll see how that plays out over the next few weeks. Absolutely. But let's move on to the Carabao Cup. Like you said, we play Southampton at the bridge. And it's honestly an opportunity uh, to play some of the guys that haven't played recently and, and give some minutes to them so who would you start and um what would your score prediction be look the great wall of mendy has had a lot of games so far and has been very reliable but every now and then the wall needs a break as well from all the pressure so i'm going to put keppa and goal i think at the back it's interesting because this these three pay, played a few games ago and they did very well together as a back three that's chaloba andres christensen and malang sar in the back three I thought they did well in that game, so why not give them that opportunity? Right wing back, I'm going to go with uh, Reese James. I think he's been in and out a little bit with either a red card or injury, so he can definitely afford to play these games. The middle is where it gets interesting, Rahul. I'd play with Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Saul together. I think that's going to be a good mix. Uh, Ruben's been playing very well, so I think he can hold that midfield very strongly. Saul is yet to show me how he's performed and, and what he brings to the team. But Jorginho, Kovacic, and Kanti have played a lot of football, even though it's only nine games. And of course, Champions League and other games in between, so they can get a break. At left wing back, Tuchel might want to give Ben Chilwell a rest and go for Alonso. However, you don't stop somebody in red hot form. <laughs> so I'd love to see Ben Chilwell continue. But again, Tuchel will make that final choice. Up front, you've got to go with Havertz as our striker. I think if anybody needs a goal, he does. We just covered that this entire episode. The two behind him, I'd stick with Callum. Callum hudson door to get that game. And I'd actually let Ross Barkley get a game from the beginning. So that's who I'd go with. That's a strong lineup and some names that we haven't seen uh, for a couple of games, especially Barkley and Saul. Uh, and I wonder if he ends up playing Barkley, if he kind of plays him in that midfield three, like we've seen more recently. Uh, and that would allow James and Alonso or Chilwell uh, to to go ahead. But I personally would rest Chilwell. I think um, save him for the Premier League. Let him continue his great record. Uh, and Alonso, let him get a chance to prove why he should be the one there. It's honestly it turned it's turning into quite a competition in that <laughs> position where we didn't expect it. But it's it's great to have. And uh, I agree with you. I think Havertz for everything that we've said in this episode. Um, he needs to start and he needs to get a goal because this is an opportunity for him. Uh, would you not play Ziyech uh, in this game or at least not start him? It's it's tough. I would love to start Hakim Ziyech. I think that he deserves a start. However, listening into Tuchel's conferences lately, one thing he said, which is very evident, is that Hakim started preseason amazingly started that Super Cup game and scored and then got injured. And then since then has had enough time to recuperate and seems to be fully fit. However, he's not unleashing himself or he's not fully comfortable to be the true self that he can be. And so for me, that's a similar situation with Havertz where you need to prove yourself on the training ground to get started. And look, players like Ross Barkley and Ruben Loftus-Cheek seem to be doing it. And whenever they come on, they're performing so I would love to reward that and and maybe a little jab at Ziyech saying, step it up in training and you'll be starting these games and then you can work towards the first team. Yeah, that, that's fair. And hopefully Pulisic is at least on the bench. I know he's been training individually. It's been a long time since we saw him. I think we saw him in that first game against Crystal yeah. Palace and that's been it. So um, just having him on the bench would be a boost. And then Maybe some of the other academy players, I know, like we've been saying, um, we're missing strikers. So maybe uh, Jude Soon Soup Bell could be an option for us to to have on the bench, at least as a striker. And then uh, in defense, this guy was actually on the bench in our last Carabao Cup game, Xavier uh, Muyamba. Mm -hmm. And hopefully he's, you know, he's on the bench and we're in a position maybe with the scoreline to give these two players a run out and and maybe get them a goal, too. Yeah, that's fair enough. So what scoreline would that have to be for them to get that run out? I mean, I think if we're sitting at a 3-0, it would be pretty comfortable for them to get on. But I honestly, Southampton made it pretty difficult for us in the Premier League game. Uh, this competition may not be at the top of their list, but they're going to come up and want to give us a game. So I think it would be a little bit tighter uh, and be 2-1 to Chelsea. 
Okay, I'm going to stick with a 3-0. I think that we have enough firepower, and I want to see some of these youth players coming on and getting a chance because we've been successful over the last few seasons <laughs> with that. Yeah, I agree. And, and that would mean we'd move on to the quarterfinals, I believe, of so. this competition. So um, not a bad competition to be in and, and win it. So let's see uh, what we can do in that game against Southampton. But some of the other fixtures and just run through them, we don't really have to. Uh, discuss them to to a great length. But Arsenal versus Leeds, I think last season this would have been a pretty tight game, but this season Leeds seem to be a different team. Um, so Arsenal, I think, should be making it through. West Ham, Man City should be a good game. Uh, Moyes is, is keeping West Ham, obviously, like you said, in fourth spot in the Premier League uh, and has made them a difficult team to beat. So that should be an interesting trip for Man City, even though they seem to always win at the West Ham Stadium. Uh, and then Preston versus Liverpool. Uh, in the five or six years Jurgen Klopp's been in England, I don't think he's made it to a quarterfinal or even beyond that in the Carabao Cup. Again, they, his fans would tell us we don't need this, but <laughs> he may want to add a domestic English Cup to his record. So this could be an opportunity. And finally, Burnley versus Spurs. Don't know what kind of Spurs will show up. Don't know what kind of Burnley will show up. But there has to be a winner, and it should be uh, Spurs on paper. But you never know. Burnley have the players too. So some exciting fixtures, knockout football like we know. And I believe if you don't get the result in 90 minutes, um, I believe it goes to extra time and then penalties. I may be wrong. Maybe it's directly to penalties. But either way, there has to be a winner. So everyone will be giving it everything. And... Uh, from our side, I hope we make it to the next round. Yeah, look, it's a good opportunity for not just Chelsea, but all of these teams to get a fresh start in a different competition. So I'm looking at the likes of Leeds. I'm looking at the likes of Burnley, because sometimes you can take these chances and maybe spur on your Premier League run. So hopefully some of these underdogs get a good chance. And and for Chelsea specifically, happy to see some of our, our youth players, happy to see some of our second players. And this is these are the games you take to prove yourself. So Hopefully you see some excitement and then we go from there. I agree. And, and that was a great point on basically just adding a fresh start. So uh, we'll keep an eye out. We'll try to post some of the highlights on our uh, Instagram stories. Uh, and as you may know, we're closing in on 10,000 followers. So if you don't follow us, but you do listen to us, thank you very much. But please go drop us a follow on Instagram. It's at the Premier Chels. Uh, and on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. So follow us on the socials and, and we are pretty active on there but that wraps it up guys thank you very much for listening please continue to subscribe like and follow us it's at the premier chills uh apple podcast spotify google and instagram and like i said on twitter it's at premier chills and as always send us your feedback we love hearing from you and we will be back later this week to do a newcastle preview and a southampton review and, and see if we made it to the next round so Uh, Definitely stay tuned for that. But until then, stay safe and up the chills.